Amen. You glad to be a child of God? Say praise the Lord. What a wonderful God it is that we serve and a wonderful God who has chosen us to be his children and he provided the way. We began last week looking at the idea of I am known. I believe this world is filled with people who are wanting to be known. Each of us on the inside have an innate desire to really to want to be known for who we are. But many times we allow ourselves to be known to people by who we want them to know because we have a fear of rejection. But yet down inside we're longing constantly to be known for who we really are. And we began looking last week in Psalm 139. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles there with me, the middle of your Bible, the book of Psalm, uh, chapter 139. And we began looking at this I am known. And last week, David was writing about the idea of God's omniscience, that he knows everything. What a great God it is that knows everything about us, everything about this world. We talked about God knows every infinite possibility of what might happen. And he allows us to have a a freedom in that because he allows us to choose. But it doesn't mean he's ignorant because he knows every choice that's possible. And yet he still loves us. It's still who we are, as that song said. He still chose to set us free in a religious liberty. But today David moves on and we're going to look at not only the omniscience of God, the all-knowing of God, but the omnipresence, the idea that God is everywhere at all times. Amen. This is the great God that we serve. This is the one who loves us. This is the one who's made a way for us, paid a way through the death of his son, the one that knows everything, the one who is everyone, the one who has all power. He is everywhere. He is the great God. The only way he can be that is because he is a what we call a transcendent God. He is over and above time. He is over and above the world. He is over and above all of creation. He is the one that created everything there is. He is the one who has created time. This is the God that we serve and as Infinite as he is, as powerful as he is, he still chooses to know us and love us. Amen. And that's the God that I want us to learn about today. One thing I love about the Psalms, I have always looked at the Psalms as the right, most of them as the writings of David and, and what he was going through. But this year as I, I'm reading and reading some other books that go along with the Psalm, it really brings to mind, and this is what I want us to do today. Whenever you open your Bible to the middle of God's Word, And you began to read a psalm, think of it in this light. This is what the psalm is doing. It is pointing you toward heaven. It is giving us, church, a picture of who God is in heaven. 
You read the psalm and you'll read about how good God is. And you, you read in the psalms and you read about David being able to just shed his innermost secrets with God. He can share his fears with God when he's being under attack. And yet by the end of that psalm you see that God is victorious and that he's coming. Well, why is that? Almost everyone that I've read through so far because God is victorious. And he is the one that will always come through for his people. David being a chosen king by God. Would you stand with me this morning as we read this morning's text, Psalm 139, beginning in verse 7. And remember today what you're listening for is the presence of God. Amen. Let's listen. Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to thee and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to thee, for thou didst form me my inward parts, thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. Father God, this morning we come to you, and Father, we say thank you that you are all-knowing, Lord, you know us, and you still prove to us that you love us. Father, not only do you know us and that you know all, but Father, you're everywhere that we are. Father, we're constantly in your presence. Thank you for that. Father, we are in your presence today. And Lord, I just pray now that you would open our eyes. Father, you would open our ears that we could hear. And Father, our hearts would be tuned into you. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want us to look at the idea that church, the magnificent thing about our God is we cannot leave his presence. Amen. We're going to see in just a moment. I don't care what you, who you are. Where you are, what you're doing, where you're going, you're always in the presence of God. That's the great God that we serve. And this morning, the first thing is we're going to see is God's omnipresence. I got this on the screen for you so you can fill it in there. God's omnipresence. That means he's everywhere at the same time. That's in your little outline there. God's omnipresence. He is everywhere at the same time. That's an amazing thing to think about. Because in our human minds, we are confined to time. We're confined to space. We are confined within the flesh of our body. So we operate in a time beginning and an end and in between. We operate within the confines of our life, within our flesh. We're where we are, when we are, and we're nowhere else. 
But that's not the God who we serve. That's not the God who loves us and gives us the privilege to serve him. He's beyond time. He created time. He is beyond the limitations and constraints of space because he is everywhere. All the same time, a Holy Spirit. The moment a believer receives Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in them, and he is with them, and he is with me, and he is with you, and he is everywhere that there is to be. David began this portion of our scripture by asking two rhetorical questions. You know, rhetorical questions, I I ask the question, you think about it, you don't necessarily respond to it. But he says very quickly, where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? And basically, with those two questions, there is one answer. And I will give you that answer this morning, and then we will look at it. Nowhere is your answer. There is nowhere that you can go from his spirit, nowhere that you can go from his presence. So what we're going to begin to look at is we cannot leave God's power. We cannot leave God's power. It says, where can I go from thy spirit? The spirit here in the Greek is the word ruah or the breath, the spirit of God. There is nowhere, church, that you can go that the spirit of God is not with you. There is nowhere you can go that the spirit of God does not exist. The spirit of God is the power that is within the believer. It's the power that comes from God. It's the power that was involved with Jesus in the creation. It's the power that hovered over the midst before the creation was even there. There's nowhere that you can leave from this power. John chapter 14, we get a a good picture of this in verses 16 and 17. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit and he says, And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit. That is the ruah of truth from the world cannot receive him because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. You see, Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples. He knew his fate. His fate was to come and to restore us. His fate was to go to that cross and he would be dying and then going in the grave, coming out of the grave, ascending to heaven. He could no longer be with his followers and his disciples. But he said, I got good news for you. He said, I'm going to ask the Father and the Father's going to send you a helper. That helper's the Holy Spirit. You know the great thing about the helper, the Holy Spirit? Is he's with everyone. Jesus is what we call the second part of the Trinity. The Trinity you're familiar with. We talk about this regular. What God the Father. God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. Well scripture tells us that when Jesus came to earth. He came as a baby. Born of a virgin. Clothed in what? Flesh. 
He was all God and he was all human at the same time, which means he had within himself the flesh wrapped over that, means Jesus could be with the group of people that Jesus was at, and that's the only place at that moment that Jesus could be. But he sent a helper, the helper, the Holy Spirit, once he left, is a spirit who is not confound to flesh because he is spirit. He is the power of God. He is with each and every believer that calls on him. The moment you receive Christ, you get the seal of redemption and the helper comes to live within you. And God is with you. God is with me. God is with every believer all at the same time. I don't have to get in line, amen. I don't have to wait. The power of God is with me. In church, this omniscience, this omnipresence of God is powerful because he's with everyone at the same time. I don't have to wait. You don't have to be scared, hiding under your blanket, waiting, when is it going to be my turn? You need him. He's right there. Amen. That's a great God, church. That can be everywhere at all times. Not only do we see that there that it's the power. But turn with me over to the book of Acts chapter 2. And listen to these first four verses. Jesus has died. Jesus has gone into the grave. Jesus has come victorious over death out of the grave. He has ascended to heaven. He told his disciples and his followers. says you go into Jerusalem. And you go and you wait. And I'm going to send you this helper. Listen, church, to what happened when the helper came. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is again, the Ruah. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The power of the Holy Spirit fell from heaven that day, made a noise that caught everyone's attention. It actually happened like the rushing of a wind. And when they saw it, it appeared as of the flames of fire distributing themselves on each one. And they were filled with miraculous gifts. They were filled with miraculous powers. And we know that shortly after that, God used them to go out and to preach his gospel message. And 3,000 people in one service came To the Lord. Amen. That's power if I've ever seen power. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? It doesn't just happen on the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. It happens every single time a believer surrenders control of their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes and fills them. He has filled you as a believer with power. He has filled you with the power to speak his message. He has filled you with the power of miracles and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to get through this day. In church, you can't run fast enough to lose it because he's wherever you're at. Amen. Not only is his omni 
presence everywhere at the same time. Not only can we not leave God's power, but because we can't leave his power, we cannot leave God's presence. What do I mean by that? We cannot leave God's presence. Church, when we enter into a covenant relationship with God and we receive him as our Lord and Savior, we come into his presence. What this word is talking about is in front of, in a position. But listen to this, face to face. Amen. Amen. As believers, we're face to face with God. Do you remember hearing someone else in Scripture that was face to face with God? Let's turn just real quick to the Old Testament, to the first, excuse me, the second book, Genesis, and then turn to Exodus 33 and verse 11. It says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Just as a man speaks to his friend, when Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses spoke face to face. You remember when Moses come from meeting with God, he would have to put a veil over his face. His face shone the glory. Church, when we meet with God, we meet face to face. Our faces should be able to tell a difference. But you cannot leave the presence of God. We're constantly in a relationship with God. We're constantly in his presence everywhere all the time. David moves on in this psalm and he begins to, to use some ideas to explain where God's presence is. Do you want to know where God's presence is? Well, let me tell you this. David uses the idea of the compass of God's presence. I want us to look at the compass of God's presence. David uses landmarks and places to describe God's presence everywhere. He uses the idea that God is up and God is down. God is left and God is right. Well, guess what? There's nowhere else for God to be. He's everywhere. He's up, down. He, he's left and he's right. He's everywhere. Look there at verse 8. It says, if I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. David, within the compass, uses his two other categories that encompasses everything. He talks about death. In death, we are never more present with God than we are when we're alive. He says, if I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If we go to heaven, guess what, church? Guess who's there? God. Well, why is that? Because that's God's abode. What do we think of heaven? We think of heaven as up. So the number one on your outline is north. You take a compass. You set it to north. You want to find somewhere. You have directions to follow. You're in the tractor. You get the GPS. And you tune it to a true north. 
If that is what everything else is based out of, guess what? God is our true north. God is in heaven. He is sitting on his throne today. He is live. He is personal. And he is involved. And he is the true direction. Everything bases off of him. Scripture tells us we're hearing about him in the very center of the Bible. Not only that, but he says, If I make my bed in Sheol... Behold, thou art there. Death, again. If he makes his dwelling place in Sheol, the the bed, the underworld, the dead, the grave. Guess what? When you die, you don't escape God. For the believer, we go to the judgment, the Bema seat, to get our rewards, to give an account for what we've done when we've given him. For those who have rejected him, they go to the judgment seat to get their eternal judgment of damnation in hell because they chose to refuse him. But there's nowhere you can go away from God. So if heaven is up, we consider heaven up normally. That would be north. Where do we usually consider the grave? Down. That would be south. So now we got north and south. Guess what? You go north, there's God. You go south, there's God. If you don't like God, you got a problem. Because he's everywhere you are, so you might as well just like him. But you know, I love him because of what he's done for me. I love him for what his greatness is. I love him for all of who he is. So he's talked now the compass about the north and the south being in death. But he talks about life when we do things. He says there, look at verse 39. Excuse me, verse 9. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea. Take the wings of the dawn. If you do that, you got to be alive. Well, where is the dawn? Where does the dawn come from? What is that? Where the sun comes up? We'd all would point what that direction. The sun comes up in the east. You see the compass he's drawing? North and south. Now we're going east. The dawn comes up in the east. The, the sun rises there. If we take on the, the wings of the dawn, if we fly to the east... God is there. But then he moves on. He says, if I dwell in the the remotest part of the sea. I I was thinking when I was reading this, well, if I go to the remotest part of the sea, that's going to be deep down in it. We're down in it. But that's not what he was talking about. What they would have been referring to. Remember, this is us 2,000 years later, a little more than that. They were talking about the Mediterranean Sea. If I go to the far side of the Mediterranean Sea, that would have been west. As far west as they thought they could go. You see, we got north, south, east, and west. He says, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, if I dwell on the far side of the Mediterranean, guess what? God is there. We read in scripture that God takes our sin and scatters them as far as from the east as to the west. And we look at the idea of that and we understand that that's an infinite direction. 
If I take my compass and we all put on our cold weather clothes, which I guess we're ready for that today, and we begin to take a trek and we set our compass for due north, we're going to begin traveling north and we're going to go north for quite a ways and eventually we end up at the North Pole. Well, guess what happens at the North Pole? If we continue going straight, we begin going south. And we go down to the South Pole and we come back to the North Pole. Just a cycle. But if we get our compass out and we set it on north and find out that we can go east or west, when you go east or west, you will never stop going east or west. Because it doesn't just circle around. It's always east. It's always west. So there is nowhere whatsoever that God can go that we're not there, that he, we cannot go, that he's not there. In life, he's there. In death, he's there. In north, he's there. South, he's there. East, he's there. West, he's there. Do you get this idea of omnipresence? God is everywhere, all at the same time. And not only in life and death, but let's look at these last couple of verses. Now, verse 11 says, excuse me. Verse 10, and there thy hand will lead me, and thy right hand will lay hold of me. Why is God everywhere at all times? Because he wants to put his loving, caring, compassionate protection upon us. His right hand. The hand we extend usually for fellowship. The hand that we use for hugging a lot of times. A, a hand that we use for patting that touch of the, the right hand. He wants to lead us. But look here. Even in life's troubles, God's there. That's the third thing in your outline. Even in life's troubles, even when you don't think he's there, God is present. Face to face with you, with all of his power. Look there at verse 11. It says, if I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. At verse 12, even the darkness is not dark to thee and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. In the dark nights of your problem. This darkness is referring to problems in your life. Have you ever had a problem in your life? I'll be the first one to lift up my hand. I've gone through difficulty. Looking around this room, many of you have experienced a death, a dark time in your life. Many of us has experienced some form of trouble, some form of heartache, some form where we felt that we were so wrapped up in this darkness that God couldn't even get in. Well, guess what? He didn't have to get in. He was already there. He was holding you with his right hand. He was guiding you through that difficulty. You know, I, I didn't necessarily find this in some of my reading, but oftentimes when we hear of darkness, it refers to sin. You know, even in our sin, God is present. He doesn't tempt us. He doesn't cause us to sin. God is not sin. 
But God is there with his right hand around us, guiding and leading us. Even when, as it says, the darkness will overwhelm me, the trouble gets you down and you're weak. When you don't want anybody to know, but yet you need somebody there with you. God is there because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't hide from him. When you go and you look at things you shouldn't, God is there. When you act in ways you should not, God is there. When you go places you shouldn't, God is there. Wherever you go, church, because Holy Spirit is in you, God goes with you. You can never leave his presence. So I encourage you as you walk the walk of life, the walk that God puts before you, the path that you choose to go, remember wherever you go, You're taking God with you because he's always there. It says, even the darkness in 12 is not dark to thee. Our darkest problems, the heaviest weights on your shoulder are nothing to God. He's more powerful. He's all present. He's there Where it might seem the darkest to us, it's not to him. And it says, the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. God knows it all, church. And God is everywhere. He's in death. He's in life. He's in the north, south, the east, and the west. He's in my life. He's in your life as a believer. And everywhere you go, you know, even for the non-believer, God is everywhere. But God promises us the amazing thing to hear David write this, I believe is also a prophecy. Why, is, why do I say that? Why would I say that this is a prophecy? And I don't know if this is scripture, but I do know in David's time, the power of the Holy Spirit would come and it would rest on someone for a period of time and then it would leave. God would call someone to do something, the Holy Spirit would come, he would fall on them and that power would be there and then it would leave for a time. David was anointed by God and it stayed with him, but he's writing far beyond his knowledge. About God being everywhere. Because when Jesus Christ asked God to send the Holy Spirit. The amazing privilege that we have on this side of the grave. Of Jesus' resurrection. Is the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells. And you cannot leave his presence. He doesn't leave you. You're signed and you're sealed for that day. Church. I want you to leave knowing. Yes, last week we said he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. Today, you're known because he is everywhere. He is omnipresent. May you bow your heads.
Father God, I thank you for your wonderful love. Father, I thank you for your power. Father, I thank you for your knowledge. Father, I thank you for your presence with us.